global crisis. Bible prophecy. Health and preparedness. You are just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch. Father in heaven, we pray now to you for a blessing upon this broadcast. We want to understand your word. We want to do your will. And we just pray that your spirit would speak, that your word would come alive and affect our lives in a way that draws us closer to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. I'm Scott Ritzema, your host, and we are doing the Revelation series, continuing with Unlock Revelation as opposed to the normal daily news broadcast. And this series is of utmost importance because when we are studying the prophecies of the Bible, then when we turn and take a look at what's going on in the world, we see prophecy being fulfilled. So we're systematically going through Daniel and Revelation together. In the previous sessions, we've looked at incredible things about the Antichrist, who is called the lawless one, the one who is against the law of God, who would think to change times and laws. And we also saw God's people are called the commandment keepers, those who keep the commandments. It's stated over and over again in the book of Revelation. So there's a absolutely palatable controversy and conflict over the law of God in the final events of Earth's history, as predicted in Revelation and the other prophecies. Now, not just any of the laws of God. We looked specifically at one law that points to God as the creator, one of the Ten Commandments that points to not only God as our creator, but also our redeemer. Exodus 20 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Rest from your labor, for in six days God created the heavens and the earth and the sea. John quotes this in Revelation 14. He says, worship him who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea. And also Ezekiel 20 says that God gave us the Sabbath as a sign that he is the one that sanctifies us. So John points to Jesus as the creator and as the redeemer. He quotes the Sabbath command, which says God made the earth in six days and that we are to rest on that seventh day as a memorial, as a celebration of God as creator and as God as redeemer, because Jesus died on the cross also on the sixth day of the week, finishing the work of redemption. Just as he finished the work of creation on the sixth day of the week, so also he finished the work of redemption on the sixth day of the week. And, and after, his res- after his death on the cross rested in the tomb on the Sabbath. So with this issue on the Sabbath being brought up in the prophecies, with John's quote in Revelation 14, verse 7, it's the longest quote of any Old Testament verse in the entire book of Revelation. John is emphasizing the Sabbath, the Sabbath, God as creator. You can expect that the devil, who is the lawless one, who wants to receive worship unto himself and doesn't want God to be worshipped, doesn't want this Sabbath to honor God and, and, and point to him as the creator, because God as the creator disproves Satan's desire to be in the position of God because he can't create. Satan is just a created angel. He's just a mere creature. He cannot create. But the Sabbath proves Satan wrong. It proves that God is the creator and the only creator. So there's an attack upon the Sabbath throughout history. In fact, look around today. The Sabbath day 
of the Bible is indisputably, clearly, the seventh day of the week. How many, how many people even honor Sunday, which is the supposed Christian Sabbath, which we're going to talk about today? People just don't look to the fourth commandment at all. I mean, yeah, we, we accept don't murder, don't steal, but really you're going to require me to spend a whole day resting from labor? Well, that's not something I want to do. It doesn't fit into my schedule. Well, tonight we're looking at deeper and more sophisticated attacks upon the Sabbath than merely the neglect to rest one day a week. No, the devil's been hard at work for most of Christian history trying to obscure this Sabbath issue to get our eyes off of the biblical Sabbath of the seventh day and upon a man's invention, human authority-based first day of the week, so-called Sabbath. We're going to study that today. Now, first, just to review, when I say the Bible from start to finish is clear that the seventh day is the Sabbath, that's something that comes from Gen- from Genesis all the way through. In Genesis, God sanctified the seventh day. He blessed it and made it holy. Throughout the Old Testament, the Sabbath was kept as the seventh day of the week. Even before the law was given on Mount Sinai, in Exodus 16, the children of Israel are picking up manna, and God says, don't pick up any on the seventh day. Remember the seventh day. Remember the Sabbath day. Pick up twice as as much on Friday, two times more than you need, so that you have enough left over for Sabbath also. Then also throughout the rest of the Bible, in, in Jesus' time, Jesus kept the Sabbath. Jesus worshiped on the Sabbath. And he also said, don't forget, the Sabbath was not made for the Jews. People call the seventh day of the week the Jewish Sabbath. What a misnomer. Adam was not a Jew. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when God blessed and sanctified that holy day, they were 2,000 years before there was ever a Jew on this earth. And Jesus said it clearly, the Sabbath was made for man. Mark 2 verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man. That's all of us. And he was also a great Sabbath reformer. He says, don't don't think that you were made for the Sabbath. No, the Sabbath is a gift, though, for all mankind. What a beautiful truth Jesus presented. He also presented the idea that 40 years after his death, the Sabbath would still be in place. He said in Matthew 24 that when the, the Christians' flight from Jerusalem was to take place, when the Romans were to come and attack the city, that the Christians should flee but pray that their flight not take place on the Sabbath. Referring to the seventh day of the week, Jesus was clearly saying 40 years from now, the Sabbath is still going to be the Sabbath. It's still going to be the seventh day of the week because the word Sabbath in many languages is the name for the seventh day of the week, like in Spanish, sabado. So this is not really something that is biblically unclear or you you can look at it multiple ways. I mean, the Bible through and through is seventh day Sabbath, This is the truth of the fourth commandment. Also in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul continues to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Even when there's no Jews to convert in the synagogue, he's meeting by the riverside in Acts 13 and having a time of prayer and and worship with the women who were resorting there with him because there's no synagogue in town. They've got to do something special on the Sabbath. They meet by a riverside. Even when the Gentiles are attending the synagogue, you see this in Acts 16 also, that the Gentiles say, can we come back next Sabbath to learn more about these things? So a week later on the seventh day, they gather together, Jew and Gentile alike. They don't start meeting on the first day of the week. We're going to look at some texts this session on the first day of the week. But 
all the way through the Bible. Oh, yeah, and of course, in Revelation, when John quotes the fourth commandment. But not just that. Isaiah, in chapter 66, points forward to the new earth. He's pointing forward to a distant future where this earth will be remade new. And he says the Sabbath will still be in place in Isaiah 66. That when this earth is made new again, just as in the Garden of Eden, we have a new Eden, a recreated earth, and the Sabbath, we will, we will come and worship before the Lord from one Sabbath to another, it says in Isaiah 66. So what a beautiful truth. What a wonderful gift. This is not some sort of obligation. The Bible says that his commandments are not grievous. They are not gr- burdensome in 1 John 5. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And John said in Revelation that here is the patience of the saints. They are they that keep the commandments and the faith of Jesus. So without faith, you cannot please God. Without faith, you cannot do his will. The Apostle Paul in Romans 9 said that Israel failed because they tried to keep the works of the law, but they did it by their own works instead of by faith. Jesus says that we should keep his commandments as motivated by love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So this is not something we do to try to earn the favor of God or to try to earn salvation. No, the Sabbath commandment is a gift to us because I sometimes need to be required to just stop and do nothing of my normal secular labor. Now, on to the first day of the week. This particular session, we need to take a look at does the New Testament establish the first day of the week as the Christian Sabbath? The answer to that is a very simple and quick no, but the New Testament does mention the first day of the week eight times. It mentions Sunday eight times. Three of those times, it has some detail involved with it. And so we'll take a look at those three texts. The other five, it just mentions that that was the day of the week. So there's no real detail where you might be able to pull a change from seventh day to first day from those texts. No, it's it's just a mentions the first day in those five texts. But we're going to look at three. And if you've got a pen or a pencil or you're listening to this in your car and pull over and type it into your phone, three texts that are most often cited as supporting First day sacredness, Sunday sacredness, John 20, verse 19, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2, and Acts 20, verses 6 through 9. These are the only three texts that have some detail in the New Testament given about the first day of the week. Now, we can go through them really quickly because this is very simple. John 20, verse 19, the disciples are in a room with the doors closed for fear of the Jews. And that's all it says. And then Jesus appears and he says, peace be to you. So the verse says nothing about the sacredness of the seventh day of the week or the first day of the week. It doesn't say anything about Sabbath-related issues at all. Later on in history, the Dark Ages church would point at this text and say, look, this was the first Sunday Christian mass. Well, it doesn't say anything of the sort. They were enclosed for fear of the Jews with doors closed. That's why they were gathered together. How about 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2? In this text, Paul says, On the first day of the week, set aside by yourself, or lay up by yourself, some funds, so that you can, this is for a fundraising effort to bless the churches that were needy. And he says, on the first day of the week, set aside by yourself some money. The text says nothing about the sacredness of the first day of the week. It says nothing. It's, it's not about church services being held on the first day of the week because they're setting this aside by themselves at home sort of thing. 
and it says nothing about Sabbath-related issues at all. So these texts just don't deal with the issue of Sunday sacredness. The fourth commandment is still in place. It says the seventh day is holy. God never made another day holy. He only said the seventh day. And we don't have any authority to change that, so it would have to be the New Testament that would change it, but the New Testament doesn't change the holy day, the Sabbath day. Acts 20, verses 6 to 9, same thing. In this text, they are meeting on the what what's called in the text the first day of the week, and it says that there were lights and they spoke, Paul spoke till midnight, and so they had lamps on. So the first day of the week the dark part of the first day of the week would actually be what we call Saturday night because in the Bible it says there was evening and there was morning the first day. So each day begins at evening and ends the next evening. It says in Leviticus 23 verse 32 that a day goes from evening to evening. So from sundown to sundown, that's when the day begins and ends. So if you're listening to this during the day, once it becomes evening and the sun sets, Biblically, it's actually the next day of the week, the next day of the week. So when Paul is speaking at night on the first day of the week, this would be what we call Saturday night, and it says he's ready to depart the next morning. So he was going to do his traveling on a Sunday morning, not having Sunday Sabbath worship services at all in this text either. We'll be right back. You're listening to 11th Hour Dispatch with author, teacher, and speaker Scott Ritzmer. For more programs and information, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Educational historian and theorist Elwood Cubberly foresaw our day 100 years ago. Quote, In particular, the attitude toward control of the child is likely to change. Each year, the child is coming to belong more to the state and less and less to the parent. The plea in defense that the child is my child will not be accepted much longer by society. Today, we are told that the elusive collective village is the parent of our child. That's not what my Bible says. It's time to wake up, to come apart and be separate, saith the Lord. The DVD series is called Schooled, the deliberate agenda to reduce individuality, destroy intelligence, and re-engineer society. In Schooled, you'll hear it straight from the mouths of the founders of modern schooling themselves. They're quite proud of it. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the soul? of man. Oh, you rescue the souls of man. And we're back. This is 11th Hour Dispatch. The website is 11thHourDispatch.com. And I suggest you listen to previous broadcasts because this one that we're doing right now on the question of is Sunday a sacred holy day for Christians in the New Testament there's some background you've got to study through on this. You have to understand the controversy and the conflict between Christ and Satan. You have to know that Satan's got an attack upon the law of God. You have to understand that the Sabbath truth from the Bible. And now here we are in this session taking a look at the question, is Sunday a sacred holy day? Is the sanctity of the seventh day of the week 
transferred to the first day of the week in the New Testament? And the clear answer is absolutely no. There's not a shred of biblical evidence suggesting that, even though that's widely held in our world today, as crazy as it is. And so you look at that and you're like, man, how did we get to this this situation? Well, we'll, we'll study that in a moment. But there's one more text that people point to. Revelation 1 verse 10, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Later on in the subsequent centuries, Christian leaders would refer to Sunday as the Lord's day. And they would say, this is the new Christian Sabbath because this was the day Jesus raised from the dead. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say the first day is the Lord's day. The Bible says Jesus says the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So the seventh day is the Lord's day according to the Bible. So again, Revelation 1 verse 10 doesn't say anything about Sunday. It doesn't say anything about the first day of the week. John just refers to a day as the Lord's day. So if we go only from the Bible on that, that's that's the Sabbath. That's the seventh day of the week. Also, by the way, in the ancient Roman Empire, they had a, 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 a imperial holiday where called the Lord's Day, where people were supposed to come and burn incense to Caesar and say, Caesar is Lord. So some historians and theologians suggest that that's what John was talking about here. But just going from the Bible, this must be a reference to the Sabbath because that's the only day that's actually referred to as the actual day of the real Lord, not the Caesar. So um, where do we go from here then? Well, Malachi 3 verse 6, God is clear. I am the Lord, I change not. So God has not changed his law. Revelation 14, verse 7, pictures the Ark of the Covenant in, in 11, verse 9. And then in 14, verse 7, John says, Worship him who made the heaven, the earth, and the seas. This is the commandments of God that are being emphasized in the last days. But throughout history, there has been a tremendous effort by the enemy, Satan, to obscure this important truth of the word of God. So how did we get to the point where Sunday is so universally held as sacred and as the Christian day of worship and as the Christian Sabbath, if it's absolutely not in the Bible. And I remember I heard a group of people a while back who took out an ad in the USA Today, and they said in the ad, please contact us if you can find any evidence in the Bible that the first day of the week is the Sabbath and that the first day of the week is the sacred holy day now instead of the seventh day. And if you can find that, we'll give you $10,000 is what they put in the ad. Now, when I heard about that ad, I immediately say, okay, they've got to have some basis or they would not be putting that in the USA Today. So it makes me think, it makes me search. And I searched the scriptures when I heard that and I found, wow, there is absolutely no biblical support for this weekly routine that the entirety of the Christian world is engaged in this is amazing. How did we get to this point? Well, I dug into the history. This is years ago. As a young person in college, you've got some time to study, and I'm studying as a history student, studying into the history of how the Sabbath was messed with. How did Christians start believing Sunday is the Sabbath? The history is absolutely amazing, and I, I really should do a thorough whole series on that sometime, but somebody's already done it. So let me point you to it. It's called the seventh day series. If you type into Google the words, the seventh day series, 
you can view a five-part video series, documentary series, on the history of the Sabbath. It is amazing. It is enlightening. It is entertaining, I would say, because truth is stranger than fiction. This history is a story of, of incredible stature. So type into Google the Seventh Day Series. Watch that, pop the popcorn, sit down with the family, and watch that series. It's hosted by Hal Holbrook. And um, by the way, the website where that video is viewed, it's the top link on Google. If you type in the Seventh Day Series, the website is sabbathtruth.com. You should spend enormous quantities of time searching that website and reading every word you can find because that is the best resource for this issue on the Sabbath that you will ever find. It's so rich, so deep, so broad. But let me give you the skinny. Let me give you a little bit of an overview of the history that you'll read about in that series. Basically, Christianity in the first century, as we see in the Bible, is Seventh-day Sabbath-keeping. And there's no dispute about it. There's total silence on anything relating to a controversy, first day, seventh day, in the first century, in the book of Acts, which if there was a group of people saying, all right, fellow Christians, we are 10, 20, 30 years removed from Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, and we're ready to finally come in and say, no more Sabbath keeping. The fourth commandment is gone. Or actually, we're just kind of changing the fourth commandment and we're moving the day. We're, yeah, we're moving it from the seventh day to the first day. Got it? Okay, if they had done that, there would be so much discussion, debate, controversy, different groups fighting with each other over this, written throughout the entirety of the book of Acts and the entirety of the New Testament. You would see the controversy everywhere. There was huge, huge controversy over circumcision. And that's a relatively small issue compared to the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments. The, the Christian leaders, the, the Jew or Jewish, said, you don't need to be requiring Gentile converts to Christianity to be circumcised. That's not necessary. That's an ancient uh, shadow, a law that God put in place as that would point forward to the reality, and that is circumcision of the heart. That's what we need to require of the Gentiles. Well, they got in a lot of trouble for that among more uh, Jewish-minded Jewish Christians, and they said, no, circumcision is a must. It's a necessary. They formed their own group called the Circumcision Group. You can read about it in Philippians. Paul says they're mutilators of the flesh. They're dogs. They're, they're these horrible people stirring up all this controversy. There's nothing of the sort. There's no controversy of the sort over the issue of Sabbath. If the Christian church had changed the Sabbath to Sunday, there would have been the biggest furor and uproar you ever could imagine in the book of Acts. But the book of Acts records nothing of that sort. So we know for a fact. Sabbath was in place, first century, done. Okay, now there are some documents from the second century. And by the way, if you, if you look into the documents, there are some that are, that are fraudulent. There are some that are misdated. And so you've got to double and triple confirm all your history on this. But when you get to the good, solid documents, you can find second century references to Christians who were starting to have worship services on the first day of the week as a routine. And you're going, why would they do that in the 100s AD, you know, 100 years after Jesus? Well, the reason for that is there was immense conflict between 
the Roman Empire and the Jews. The, the Caesar Hadrian was absolutely going to war against the Jews. There were rebellions. There were massacres. It was just intense. And the Christians were wanted to separate themselves from the Jews. Like, hey, you know, don't come down on us. We're not them. We're, we're a different group now. And Hadrian put out a law and said, we're going, to, we're going to outlaw Judaism. We're going to outlaw Sabbath keeping. So in Rome, the city of Rome, Christians started saying, well, we're going to you know, do the Sunday thing. And the church was mostly Gentile at this point. Also in Alexandria, you see in the second century, a emergence of some recognizing of Sunday. I, I shouldn't call it Sunday keeping because the idea of a Sunday Sabbath was still yet out in the future. But in the 100s AD, you start seeing Christians say, hey, let's have worship services on Sunday. Not based upon the Bible, not based upon anything other than this is just what we're going to do. Then it became very interesting. Constantine in 321 AD, so fast forward about 200 years, a lot of Christians in the big population centers in Rome, Alexandria, and elsewhere are honoring the first day of the week as the day of, a day of worship for Christians, even though it's not firmly like the Sabbath, but they start putting down the seventh day. And over time, slowly, the seventh day loses significance among Christians and the first day gains significance. And this is all just human authority. This is all just cultural trends. None of this is based upon the Bible. But the trend is going on in the 300s. And then Constantine, who's a Roman emperor, trying to unite his his population. He's got part pagan, part Christian in his population, he has a nominal conversion to Christianity and says, now we're going to pass a law, which he calls, he says, on the venerable day of the sun, I'm reading from the law, actually. He says, on the venerable day of the sun, that's a pagan reference to the first day of the week. The pagans loved the first day of the week. They worshiped the sun. He says, on the venerable day of the sun, let the magistrates and the people residing in the cities rest and shops be closed. So you now have the pagans and the Christians coming together over this Sunday thing because it was the day of worship of the sun. Then the Christian church follows in 363 AD in the council of Laodicea. They say Christians shall not Judaize by being idle on Saturday. Now, of course, Seventh-day Sabbath is not a Jewish institution, but they say, but the Lord's day they shall especially honor and being Christians shall, if possible, do no work on that day. So if possible, this isn't like a firm fourth commandment in stone, but if possible, go ahead and rest on the first day, kind of like the Roman emperor has said. So you start seeing Sunday rising, Sabbath falling among the Christian population as it becomes more and more, not just Gentile, but more and more paganized. This is a statement from the Catholic World, 1994, a publication of the Catholic Church. It says, the sun was a foremost god with heathendom. There is, in truth, something royal, kingly about the Son, making it a fit emblem of Jesus, the Son of Justice. Hence, the church in these countries would seem to have said, Keep that old pagan name. It shall remain consecrated, sanctified. And thus, the pagan Sunday, dedicated to Balder, became the Christian Sunday, sacred to Jesus. That's an amazing admission. They're saying, yeah, you know, our, our Christian history really is kind of pagan. We kind of just, we united the two. We sanctified the pagan. Now, here's the really amazing thing. Not all of the Christians in the empire got the memo that the day was being changed to Sunday. So in the British Isles, in Africa, in Armenia, in India, over the next 500 years to 1,000 years, the Roman power 
and the Roman church state, the Dark Ages church, would be conquering and consolidating power, and guess who they'd find all in the outskirts of the empire? People who received the gospel very early on and who were still keeping the Sabbath because the first century church did not have Sunday. It had Sabbath only. Later on, they tried to do away with it. Let's not do away with it. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. If you're familiar with the big controversy of post-World War II era in the movies, it was subliminal messages. People were caught slipping subliminal messages into the movies to make you go buy popcorn and whatnot. People have questioned whether that actually worked or not. The latest studies have shown absolutely that subliminal messaging has a powerful effect. In fact, 95% of visuals, even hidden visuals, are picked up by the subconscious mind. That data is in all of our brains. An advertising group, they go on and say, in today's violent, saturated world, goodness and protection or self-preservation are subconsciously sought incessantly. So we, the advertisers, promise protection through product consumption from the very anxieties we instigate. So they're going to instigate some anxieties in you subconsciously. Brought to you by BeltofTruthMinistries.org.